At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 505, coming to you on Wednesday, September 20th. We're going to look forward to USC and Arizona State locking horns in Tempe at Mountain America Stadium. What the hell is a Mountain America Stadium? It sounds like a bank that they would make I, up to be in in Breaking Bad or something like that. It's horrible. It's it's a credit union that doesn't even have a location in Arizona. What the hell is going on? Uh, anyways, uh, Mountain America Stadium. Um, as always, uh, you can you can join us here live on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts and email. But we are there. Our email address is ramtroyfanside.com. I'm your host, Mike Gristillo. Join along with my co-host here in the Rain of Troy studio in Los Angeles on her birthday, Elisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, welcome. How, how did it feel to be a year older? Um, does, it, does it say anything that I'm not actually sure what mm. age I am right now? I I've reached that age too, where I'm like, I <laughs> am I 33? No, I'm 34. I woke up this morning and thought to myself, I, I'm 34. Here's the, mark? But here's the here's the depressing <laughs> part about it. I don't mean to be depressing for you, but here's the depressing part. Today is your 34th birthday, right? I think. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. But that means you've already completed 34 years and you're starting your 35th year. Oh, well, that's 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 the depressing that way to look to, at, at it, right? That's that's depressing. That's, I mean, no, it's not depressing. Another the reason we celebrate birthdays is because we have survived another year. I was thinking about this morning and how 
kind of morbid that concept is, but it's the truth. We have survived another year. Well, uh, and I am very happy to have survived another year and and to, you know, keep living my life. I'm I'm chill with my age, honestly. I went through the age crisis at at, at 29. So, it's all it's all good. Listen, the the greatest song ever written says, you know, the sun is the same in a relative way, but you're older. Shorter breath, one day closer to death. Well, okay, that's also yeah, staying very on, morbid. Staying on the morbid train. I know, but, I'm just, but that's uh, cool. Yeah, every year's getting shorter, and never seem to find the time. But uh, I, I will shut up about that. Uh, we are back here for USC and Arizona State preview. Um, should be a fun one Saturday night. Uh, the Trojans and the Sun Devils. Uh, big welcome to everybody joining us here on YouTube. A uh, lot of happy birthdays that you're getting. A Thank lot you, of happy everybody. birthday love that you're getting here on youtube uh big 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 thank you for all of those things um yeah we are pumped up to talk about usc and arizona state um why because alicia i love the state of arizona multiple reasons number one uh i think objectively a top five most beautiful state in the country it is a it is an underratedly beautiful state I ridiculously think. beautiful yeah you got Utah, Colorado, Washington, Alaska, California, Arizona. Okay, maybe not top five. Top ten, surely. Top, it, it's it's up there. I mean, Arizona is beautiful. Lot, there's a lot of beautiful states. Arizona a, is one of them. Yeah. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, it also has my favorite meal in the world right there in Tempe. If you're going to Tempe, by the way, if Here's a here's a little inside baseball. Do you want to go to Arizona this week and sound like a true zony? Then you have to pronounce yeah. the name of the city correctly. It's Tempe. Tempe, not Tempe. I learned this when I moved there. I was like, why are these people saying Tempe? What is Tempe? Never heard of Tempe in my life. Tem that is that is technically how you're supposed to say it. it that is funny because we were just having a conversation about how Tempe is a, is a city of transplants, city built by transplants mm -hmm. because Tempe sounds like when people mispronounce Oregon and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, they say it's Oregon. Oregon. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's, it's Oregon. Like it's yeah. like, why are you overthinking this? Like Nevada Tempe yeah. is exactly like that. Like what, what are you doing? <laughs> But yeah. you know what? But if it's that's right. Them, it's somehow right. The, if that's how they want to do it in Tempe, then that's, that's how Tempe. By all means, yeah, it is Tempe. Uh, but anyways, my my favorite meal is in Tempe, and Alicia, you agree with this because you agree with most of my food takes, even though people do not no. want to acknowledge that. No, I I agree with some of your food takes. I vehemently disagree mm. with many of your food takes, mm. but one of your food takes mm. is your opinion of that particular meal, which you should tell the people about. Yes. You were going to Tempe this week for the game. Please go to Four Peaks. Uh, by the way, we, we always have glasses that I drink water out of. And the you, one you, day you, I get you the Bucky's one you, is when I should You got the wrong one. You should have got a Four Peaks class. I have a million Four Peaks classes. Um, go to Four Peaks. Um, I would tell you is tell them that we sent you, but that's weird. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They'll but, say who? Who? Yeah. Um, and you want to get the, I think it's called the 8th Street, 8th Street Chicken and Chips. 
Uh, it's their chicken tenders, um, whatever it's called. It is the best chicken tenders in the world. It is a beer battered chicken tender and their fries are to die for. They are incredible. Legitimately the best chicken tenders imaginable. Those tendies are stunningly good. It, like, it is every outrageous. Time. Every time. Yes. And for all the chicken tender haters in that presumably are going to be in the chat, but listen to this wherever you may be in the world, get over it and go try them. They're, they're really good. They're really good. Um, so yeah, you go check out their uh, uh, four peaks in Tempe. Uh, but also more importantly, you'll be in Arizona, which is a legal gambling state because Alicia, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? I'm sure you haven't because you haven't been to Arizona yet, but when you go to Arizona this week, if you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly. They're following just three steps. You create an account. Number one. Well, first of all, number one, you go to Arizona. Number yes. two, you create an account. Then you're going to wager five bucks on any sport, whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive 150 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Reign of Troy when you sign up. The best part is you use that code Reign of Troy this week when you go to Arizona. And it not only gets you the bonus bet, but it helps you support the podcast. So if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, when you go to Arizona this week, followed by you going to Colorado next week, another legal gambling state, you're going to use our code Reign of Troy to maximize your first bets. Uh, this offer, of course, is available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Like Arizona, like Arizona and Colorado. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Now is the time, kids. Now is Strike the time. Strike while the iron is hot, baby. <laughs> uh, so please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Uh, chicken tendies and um, over-under picks. That's what's hot in the desert this week. Uh, Alicia, we got a bunch of good too, so let's start with uh, the news, shall we? Lisa, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's see. I hit the news button here because I usually do. I have a little uh, reflex to always hit the news button after we do the ad and all that kind of stuff. It's really quick today. Mason Cobb is healthy. He's going to play for the Trojans. There you go. Yeah. There's the news. All things considered, on a Wednesday, if there's not that much news... That's a good, that's generally a good thing. That's generally a good thing. USC is coming off of a bye. Uh, guys have gotten healthy. It looks like they're going to be ready to go, ready to play. Uh, so all good news from practice in terms of uh, the health of players that that, uh, that is being shared. So, yay, we get to see Mason Cobb. Yay, we get to learn more about the defense. Yay. There you go. Both number 13s, double 13. Uh, more uh, lucky numbers uh, mm-hmm. for you, of course, to uh, to use on your draft keys <laughs> uh, entry this week. There you go. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get to USC and Arizona State. Locking horns for the final time in the Pac-12 era. Um, Pac-10, Pac-8. Well, never as a Pac-8 member. Uh, the Arizona schools came over in the late 70s to make the Pac-8 the Pac-10. Uh, for the longest time, ASU had a winning record against SC. Uh, w- because ASU, it's always weird to think, you know, you think about what the landscape was like when you were a kid. So for you and me, I always think of ASU as like a full-blooded, um, you know, Pac-10 member. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they've never not been in the Pac-10. They've never not the, been the for Pac-10 me. The Pac-10 or yeah. Pac-12 for me. Yeah. yeah but well, almost about a decade before we existed, uh, they were the Utah before Utah existed. <laughs> uh, they came over as, you know, dominant, a dominant force in the WAC uh, and then joined the Pac-12 or the Pac-10, sorry, and were not WAC because they had a winning record against the Trojans for a long time. Uh, that changed. SC won a million games in a row against the Sun Devils uh, going into the Pete Carroll era. And that sort of held true for a long time. Um, of late, it's been a little bit topsy turvy. Trojans have uh, lost in them, but three out of four years from 2011 to 2014. 
Uh, of course, the Tarmac game in 2013. The Jail Mary game in 2014. Y'all remember that one. Uh, there's the uh, that long, ridiculous Nikhil, uh, Nikhil Harry. Um, the punt return? Punt return in 2018. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, there's the game that I really do not remember in 2021. The 2021 forgettable season, by the way. Uh, yeah, I bleeped shit from my brain, so yeah. that was on purpose. And you should have. Yeah. Uh, SC lost then, too. But a lot of wins sprinkled in there. The Trojans lead the series all time. Uh, 25 and 14. If you include, uh, of course, the 2005 game, best game in the series. SC was down 21 to three in Tempe, only to come back to win, uh, 38 to 28. Um, in in Sun Devil Stadium, not Mountain America, whatever. <laughs> that's, um, that's probably the game I think of when I think of, yeah. of ASU. I think of of the comeback uh, against ASU, and then I think of the Thanksgiving game. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving game. I was there. Both? Me and my dad took the took the mega bus. Both I might remember because I wasn't really able to watch them very like mm-hmm. the the comeback. I was in Sacramento visiting family and I was alone in like the back room where they had the TV where I was watching the game and sort of like going back and forth to socialize when I was I was like a kid. I was like a young yeah uh and then the thanksgiving one was it was thanksgiving and my aunt and uncle were hosting and their property has like an upper bit and a lower bit and the lower bit was where the tv is so like we got to their house and i'm running straight down to the barn to go watch the game we couldn't get the tv hooked up we couldn't get it figured out and we got it on and like immediately that's when boom the the score the was it kickoff return or it was like an early score or whatever it was a kickoff it was. return yeah. on that that was asu's first score yeah me yeah. me and my dad got tickets through StubHub, and we're sitting in the asu section by mistake um horrifying when the game immediately goes wrong from the beginning yeah. you're like oh my god this is gonna be brutal um also terrible in the i i one of the you know you have one of those moments that you just think about for the rest of your lives mm-hmm um, that is embarrassing to you, but it's probably not a big thing to anybody else. Mm-hmm. After that game, the guy next to me was like, good game. And he walked away and I'm like, yeah, you too. And I thought there, I'm like, did he think I was a sarcastic asshole? <laughs> He's never thought about that <laughs> moment ever again in his life. And I you, think about it on the regular. bringing up on yeah. a decade later. On the regular. Decade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I am going to miss SC playing uh, over in Tempe. Of course, I lived in Arizona for a while um, and uh, would go to games there at uh, Sun Devil Stadium, which I will forever call it uh, this Mountain America BS. Uh, but let's talk about this one. Saturday night, uh, 7.30 p.m. on Big Fox. And, of course, it is uh, another Brando and Tillman game. Buckle up for that one. Um, this is a game which... The the Vegas line opened up at 14 and a half. Uh, SC yeah. now 35 and a half point favorites. Yeah. I have never seen a line just Double. open up like that, like Grand Canyon sized after uh, being 14 and a half. Having, um, wild. Having looked at the numbers. How is it not I, there to begin with? I, well, my thought is like, there are a few numbers that I don't think are going to ultimately matter in the end, but like I, yeah. there are a few numbers where it's like, okay, so maybe that's where they were thinking the 14 
mm-hmm. the road, uh, the, the, the defense, uh, USC's defense and ASU's defense is sort of being factored yeah. in all of that. And even taking the most generous view of ASU going into this game, I still think it's madness that they set this line at 14. Yeah, like I, when Colorado is a twenty-one. Point I almost think it was like to, a typo. It was weird. It, it, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, uh, Trent in oh. the chat says open fourteen and a half in August this week. Twenty-seven and a half. Okay, see that Maybe makes that's more sense. It, that the makes, site that we use says fourteen and a half, which was just bizarre to me. That makes a lot more sense if that's if that's sort of where the fourteen was coming from because sure, based on Even everything still, else. 27 to 35 and a half. There's a reason that it moved is, from 20. Yeah. Is, is a big move. Why does it move? Well, let's talk about ASU. Uh, the, the devils, uh, one and two in the, on the season, they beat Southern Utah, but then they lose to Oklahoma state. Uh, I think it was at 27, 15 or something like that. Uh, whatever, like Oklahoma state isn't great, but, uh, in year one under Kenny Dillingham, I don't think there's any basic shame in that. Uh, but the shame comes in week three. Uh, get absolutely blown to smithereens uh, by Fresno State. We know Fresno State is well coached, but 29 to nothing? Yeah. Eight turnovers? Eight turnovers. Fresno State, I mean, Fresno State forced eight turnovers for ASU in that game. Eight turnovers matches the number of turnovers that SC has had in 17 games. <laughs> Under under Lincoln Riley, like it's it's wild. Um, the, but also, there's the quarterback issues. The wild thing, though, and you're going to talk about the quarterback thing, is that like they had eight turnovers and they didn't have three quarterbacks in that game because they were benching quarterbacks. Like they had three quarterbacks in that game because the dudes who were committing mm-hmm. all the turnovers got hurt and they had to go to the next guy. Like yeah, just one by one by one by one. Uh, freshman Jaden Rashada won the pretty much won the quarterback job. Uh, he gets hurt, um, does not start against Fresno State. He's going to be out a little bit. Uh, so Trenton Borgay goes in there. He gets the start against Fresno State. He completes six of eight passes, throws a pick, leaves, leaves due to a leg injury. He's considered doubtful against SC. Drew Pine, the Notre Dame transfer who missed uh, a lot of uh, training camp, which is why he didn't really compete for the job like people thought he was going to after he transferred over from Notre Dame. He is the backup against Fresno State, QB3, but really the backup in in that game because they're already down a a quarterback. He leaves due to an undisclosed injury. Again, not the hamstring that he got hurt with uh, in fall camp. He throws a couple of picks in that game. Uh, Jacob Conover, the fourth stringer, comes in. Uh, and finishes the game. All three quarterbacks against Fresno State combined to go 17 of 37 for a buck 88 with five interceptions and two all three, fumbles and two fumbles. And all three of those those quarterbacks threw one inter, at least one interception in the game. Just this is a like historically bad offense, um, having a historically bad game against Fresno State, but through three games. 129th in scoring offense. They're averaging 13 points a game. Uh, 124th in total offense. They're they're under the 300-yard mark. They're 130th in turnover margin at negative three per game. 
Negative three well, per that's, game. That is very heavily but, weighted you, towards an eight turnover well, yes. game. Well, well, the funny part is they, they've, <laughs> they are negative nine in the turnover uh, margin uh, this they year. They had one, one in the it, two games prior. Yes, it was it was minus one the first two games. Yeah. Uh, minus eight uh, in game three. So that kind of changes things. Um, so the, the thing, though, is it's hard... With this offense, it's a little bit hard to get a read on what they actually are, could be, yeah. because they were starting the true freshman quarterback, Jaden Rashada, in the first two weeks. He did not do very well, but he was a true freshman starting for a team that is very unsettled right now. So, like, that's not a surprise. But Oklahoma State, traditionally a good defense. Oklahoma State tends to have a very good defense. Um Fresno State tends to be a very good team. The The one that really stands out to me is that first game against Southern Utah, barely, barely beating them by by three points. Like Southern Utah went on to lose 41 to 16 to BYU and then lose 23 to 21 to UC Davis. Yeah. So like even if you wanted to give Arizona State credit for the the schedule like it's it's certainly not an easy schedule under difficult circumstances for Kenny Dillingham in his first year even if he wanted to sort of throw them that bone mm-hmm. their easy game was a a dogfight it, it was yeah. not something that's super encouraging in terms of whether or not this ASU team is is going to do anything interesting this year yeah I- I- exactly i think that you know um the game they've been the most impressive is, I guess, the loss to Oklahoma State. Yeah, sort of. and and we found as Kenny in the in the chat said, like, and then we found out that Oklahoma State, uh, Houston, they have a problem, uh, yes. or Stillwater, you've got a problem because they they got boat raced by South Alabama in week three. So uh, again, not 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 looking good for the Sun Devils in terms of evaluating their schedule so far. Yeah, the the offense really the um the the issue for the Sun Devils and it came down to it that Chris Cartman of uh Sun Devil Source uh put on Twitter this week uh breaking Kenny Dillingham is calling offensive plays at practice for the first time today instead of Bo Baldwin. Which which is interesting because Kenny Dillingham in his first year as a head coach, I, I don't think there's anyone that is on a cooler seat in the country than Kenny Dillingham, even after losing 29 to Fresno, 29, nothing to Fresno state. This is a bowl band ASU team. Uh, they've added an extra year on his contract because of the bowl ban. He is replacing an absolute dumpster fire, uh, that was left by Herm Edwards. I, I don't think there's big expectations in year one, uh, for him. Mind you, ASU always finds this way to just like constantly be at least seven and five, even when you think they're going to be bad, they're still seven and five. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this year. This does not look like the like a like a decent ASU team, but it's still interesting to sort of take the reins of the play calling after three games. Like I usually, that feels like a last inch effort move. That feels like a you know a, a rash decision. Shouldn't you have been calling the plays in the first place then, I guess? That's where I'm at. Like, I, 
there is this tendency for first time head coaches to try to focus on being a head coach. And I, I certainly think there's merit in the idea that you need to focus on being a head coach and learning how to do that. But when you're Kenny Dillingham, like your play calling is what got you hired as the head coach. Right. It's weird to me that so many coaches take that aspect of their, uh, of their ability and just set it to the side as like a break in case of, of emergency. Well, like don't get in your emergency in the first place that I think that Lincoln Riley sort of has it right where he is the play caller. He will always be the play caller. Like that's right. That's one of his great strengths. So why wouldn't he put his best foot forward? So this just feels like why weren't, yeah. Why weren't you the play caller in the first place? Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting situation to see if that changes things. I mean, you look at ASU, they can only get better on on, on offense. A lot of that's going to come with uh, repetition at quarterback. Uh, if they continue to get uh, to go through all these guys with injuries, how do you get into so, sort of any rhythm? Uh, at the same point, if they're able to just have Drew Pine, who started at Notre Dame last year, he didn't look terrible. He threw for 318 yards and three TDs against the Trojans last November. Uh, a lot of that, of course, to Michael Mayer, but like he was able to move the ball. He didn't look like the worst quarterback in the world, um, which all of them collectively sort of looked like that against Fresno State. So if he can be healthy and and all that stuff, maybe they can be a little bit better. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens on Saturday against the Trojans because you look at the numbers that we have on on the screen here on YouTube points per drive USC on defense 13th in the country at 1.03 going into it, even with SC having a, a schedule that is, you know, softer than, than ultra soft uh, to, to begin the season. I don't think you would have imagined that SC would be 13th in the country in points per drive through the first three games, but yet they are. And ASU is 129th. So if SC could, you know, shut down Nevada and Stanford to the way, to the extent that they did the last two weeks, which is, mind you, what SC should be doing when they have a talent gap like they do over those teams, then shouldn't they do that sort of same thing on Saturday night against ASU? I mean, that's, that's the big question. I have, I, there was a point last week during the bye week that I was like, man, it sucks that USC is playing ASU, especially this ASU where everything that could go wrong for ASU in terms of injuries, their offensive line is ravaged by injuries. Everything's going wrong for them. That it was like, it's unfortunate that USC is going to be playing them this week because we won't learn that much about USC. Uh, But the more I thought about it, the more I think that I think there is something to learn about USC's defense against this ASU offense specifically because it does look like they're going to play Drew Pine. And yes, Drew Pine doesn't have the uh the advantage that we th- that he had last year when he was playing behind Notre Dame's offensive line with with a talent like Michael Mayer to throw to. Mm-hmm. But we did see him against a USC defense where it did feel like they were making him look better than he is. And that's going to be something that I have circled as, as something I'm looking out for in terms of the eye test for USC in this game. The concept that if Drew Pine looks good again in this game, 
then like that's a USC defense problem because we have seen what Oklahoma state, I mean, sorry, what Fresno state did. He, he had four turnovers in that game. He couldn't complete a pass in that game. Like Mm -hmm. the quarterback should not beat you in this game. And if they do, then, then you haven't progressed the way that we need you to progress. So this game is going to tell us something potentially, uh, Again, it's as we've said now for four or five weeks that the potential to be told something is is more weighted towards the bad side of things than the good side of things. Because if USC, uh, you know, pitches a shutout here, that'll almost like it'll be very impressive if USC pitches a shutout. Don't get me wrong. But like that's something that Fresno State did. So you're sort of just going for the course. Yeah, let's talk about the the running game. Um, ASU has probably the best name running back duo in the history of college football. <laughs> Cam Scatterboo, their leading rusher, 36 carries, 148 yards, two touchdowns on the season, followed by my favorite name I've ever seen, DeCarlos Brooks. My, my, my favorite movie name of all time. Uh, Major League Three, Back to the Miners, underrated movie. People hate on it. Get over it. It's a great movie. Carlos Liston is the main the main uh, bad guy. I've always thought Carlos Liston the coolest name of all time. De Carlos Brooks though, that's Carlos Liston level. That's good. <laughs> I love that. Uh, it's a good name. Yeah, twenty one carries, ninety yards for uh, for De Carlos Brooks. Um, SC has been susceptible against the run. We, we've seen that in the first two weeks. Uh, Stanford especially. Um, part of that was because Lamson was so good. Uh, the Stanford um, backup quarterback uh, on his feet. Uh, Drew Pine, not necessarily a runner. So what, what do you think about SC against the run this week? Well, it's, it's again, it's a good, it's a good way to test whether or not this, this run defense can mine their P's and Q's and mm-hmm. keep it's all for again for USC's defense. It's all about keeping things in front of them. When we've seen them break down, it's because somebody missed a, ta- a bad tackle or or somebody wasn't in their run fit. If we see USC's defense, they don't have to out physical ASU. They don't have to uh, deal with monstrous athletic talents that are just gonna you know take advantage of them on an individual level. It. For for me, this matchup is really just about can USC's defense take care of business the way that they should be taking care of business in terms yeah. of doing your assignment. Don't miss that tackle. And and ASU in their in their game notes is touting that they have forced more missed tackles than uh, than I forget what it is that the, the, they're they're up there in terms of like forcing missed tackles. Um, in college football this year. So that's the big, big thing is. Uh, they, they forced 42 missed tackles on offense, the seventh best in FBS. Yeah, there you go. So it's really about USC making sure that they are being fundamentally sound in this game and mm-hmm. the defense will be fine if that's the case. They did play in the middle of a monsoon uh, in their that'll, first game. That'll factor I, in. I, I, I do wonder how much that factors into those missed tackles, but. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder, it's a shame we don't have like by game numbers because right. one of the things that we mentioned, remember, from Oklahoma State with Mason Cobb coming over was that 
he had a lot of missed tackles. So like maybe it's an Oklahoma State thing as well. Yeah, I I don't, I don't know. Um, let, let's let's turn the page and talk about the USC offense uh, going up against the ASU uh, defense. Um, the Sun Devils uh, they run a standard uh, defense that you see in college football these 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 years. Uh, a four two five, um, your standard nickel defense. Um, BJ Green, I think, is the guy to watch on defense for ASU. Two sacks, four tackles for loss, five quarterback hurries through three games so far. Uh, him and Prince uh, Dorba, two and a half sacks, um, two and a half tackles for loss. There um, might be cause for concern for what USC uh, has to get ready for on the offensive line. We know the Trojans have not been necessarily great on the offensive line, but they have the all-time greatest uh, deeker of pass rushers in, in Caleb Williams. So um, that probably helps. And this was the USC offense that absolutely took it to Stanford uh, a couple of weeks ago, 49 points straight out of the gate uh, with Caleb Williams at quarterback. He did not play it down in the second half. So he is fresh off not only a bye week, but having only played half a game uh, against Stanford, we know that he played, was it two and a half quarters against Nevada before that? Caleb Williams has not played that much. What do you expect offensively for the Trojans going into Mountain America, whatever it is? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that USC's offense is going to be very, very difficult for anybody to stop. Mm -hmm. But the, the ASU defense this year, they haven't been a disaster. Um, now we know that Oklahoma state's offense maybe doesn't really have a lot going for them either. So giving up 27 points there, maybe not the, the, the greatest thing in the world, but uh, in a game where you're getting toasted in a game where you are, your offense is actively hurting your defense with eight turnovers. I'm kind of impressed that they only gave up 29 points to Fresno state only 15 points off of turnovers. Like that's an achievement for a defense. That is an uphill battle that the defense is climbing and, and for them to stay in it and, and make sure that this didn't turn into a, a, you know, 40 point embarrassment. Uh, I, I got to give them some credit and the, and the numbers back that up. The numbers on defense, the SP plus uh, ranking is 87th. That's heavily weighted towards last year. Um, the, the points per game certainly isn't good, but the other numbers, they're not terrible for, for ASU's defense. Now, not terrible isn't good enough to stop USC's offense. Uh, Caleb Williams is a special talent. USC has just too many guys across the board. But one thing that Fresno State has done well is create havoc plays. They had six sacks against Fresno State. They had eight tackles for loss. So they do have some dudes who can who can get in there. You know, Dorba and Torrance can get after you and get get behind the line of scrimmage and cause disruption. So um, once again, it'll really just be be about USC being fundamentally sound, Caleb Williams being Caleb Williams, and avoiding maybe a little bit of that Oregon State off day that he had last year like that really when I look at this matchup like that's the only thing and it to me it's a very slim chance but we did see Caleb have a weird off day on the road 
against Oregon State last year. So, so mm-hmm. Pac-12 road op- opener. Yeah, Pac-12 year. road Wait, opener. Wait, no, 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 it wasn't. Never mind. Was they it played, was Oregon they, they State the Stanford, second? Yeah. yeah. Um, but either way, like when you go on the road, especially the road for the first time in a season, you know, you're upsetting your your sort of standard mode of operating. It's the first time you're getting on a plane and going somewhere for the year and mm-hmm. and all of that. So it, things can get a little bit weird. And the important thing for USC is just to, to stay settled down and to do what we know they can do. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's a huge threat here from this ASU defense unless USC hands them hands them things by playing sloppy by you know by dropping passes or by having the offensive line not be um you know not keep things in front of them um by having Caleb maybe have his sort of off day so preventing mistakes from the USC perspective is is really the important thing here because if USC isn't out here putting up a bunch of turnovers, like they're going to score on this defense that that much is pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, I, I think this ASU defense is terrible by any means, at least not compared to com, compared to the offense, yeah. um, which is just a really, really bad. Right. But, but that comparison is, uh, but that, that comparison do, yeah. doesn't do a lot of favors to anybody. So um, yeah, I, I think that, this looks to be another week in which SC should be able to move the ball uh, on offense, but so does every week. That's what this I, offense. I'm waiting like, for the week like, when that won't be that won't be said. It kind of makes. I don't know that there will be a week. Yeah, it makes previewing USC's matchups, offense versus the opposing defense, a little bit just repetitive. But when it comes down to it, like who is gonna? I don't. Who is going to stop Caleb Williams? I don't think this ASU defense is going to stop Caleb Williams. It goes back to the only person who's going to stop Caleb Williams is Caleb Williams. So, right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, Sean in the chat says Caleb Williams is another name for cheat, cheat mode. I mean, yeah. that's what it feels like. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Uh, you know, Bill Connolly's numbers have, you know, have SC, you know, doing good things, of course. But, like, he made the comment the other day that, SC's offense, the most reliable thing in college football. It is. It, it, it just, it just is this offense uh, with this scheme, with this system, with Caleb Williams leading it and with so, so much control that he has, it's the most reliable thing. And it makes our game previews slightly boring because there's only so many ways you can say that. Yeah. SC looks like the, if, if everything goes right, they're going to score 60 points this week. But if everything goes right, they're going to score 60 points this week. There you go. There's a preview of the offense. What else is there to say? If everything goes half right, they're scoring 50 points. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's how it is until it isn't until it isn't. That's going to be the case uh, for these Trojans. They look absolutely unstoppable uh, on offense. Uh, But let's get to some over under, shall we? So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. So this is over under. Not necess- Not the DraftKings over under, but you can do that by using the code Reign of Troy when you're in Arizona this week and when you're in Colorado next week. So remember that. But this is our over under. Our Reign of Troy over under. Uh, a game in which I am leading the season with a record of 10 and 8. You are 9 and 9. A game behind uh, in mm-hmm. the uh, both the win and the loss column. 
you looking to improve that. Uh, what is your first over under of the week? What do you got? I'm going over under 2.5 USC, uh, sorry, ASU giveaways. So turnovers committed by ASU turnovers forced by USC 2.5. USC had three turnovers against Stanford. We saw what that pass rush, what Bear Alexander and the defensive front was able to do to disrupt Stanford's offense and force those turnovers. And obviously ASU had the eight turnovers against Fresno state. That was uh, two turnovers Two interceptions, two fumbles from Drew Pine, the quarterback that we expect to to play mm-hmm. to start for ASU against USC. Um, I think this is interesting, especially because, and it's not, you know, this is not a one-to-one comparison by any means, not even a comparison, but it's worth noting that Fresno State's defense in SP Plus ranks 51st, and USC's in SP Plus ranks 47th. So they are in the same class of defense coming into the season. Sure. Fresno State and USC. So that's not to say that like I expect USC's defense to turn over the to get as many turnovers as Fresno State's did. But I think that when we're looking at this game, we have to look at what Fresno State's defense was able to do in terms of being disruptive to ASU in order to in terms of of really getting under their skin as something that USC has to look to do as well. So thought I'd take it, uh, take it from a turnover perspective instead of just doing like the, will USC get a shutout? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So two and a half, right? Two and yes. a half ASU. Two and a half. Giveaways. Um, I'm going to, uh, m- maybe this is a, a little pessimistic on the SC side. Sure. I don't know. Um, I'm taking the under here. Uh, and the reason for that is ASU's turnover issues so held to that Fresno state game that it's hard to say that they, do they have a turnover problem or did they have a bad turnover game? I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it's hard to say. Like I, I, when you turn over the ball eight times, that tells you you have more than just a one game problem more than likely. Um, but they haven't done it in other games like that. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think SC uh, can still force a couple turnovers in this game and it still be under that two and a half line. Uh, so I'm going to take the under um, the two and a half, just a little too high. If it was one and a half, I'd take the over probably. So I flirted with setting this line at 3.5 and just felt like that's yeah, way too that would have been, that would have been too easy of an under, I think. Yeah. Um, but I, you're playing the uh, you're playing the odds here, which is something that I always do. So I'm kind of glad that I get the over on this because uh, I think that this could be a huge game for USC havoc wise. Mm-hmm. So we will see. Absolutely, could be. I mean, the Trojans have they're averaging nine tackles for loss per yeah. game. They yeah. continue that kind of havoc rate um, and force negative plays. They're going to put ASU in position to have to gamble, have mm-hmm. to throw the ball downfield, have to do those kind of things, which leads to turnovers. But USC could have zero turnovers in this game and still have a really, really good yeah. defensive performance. In fact, without any turnovers in this game with, you know, with, with the right score line, I'd feel very, very good about a defensive performance in this game. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let's go to my first uh, over under. 
of the game of the week. Uh, hear me out on this. Over <laughs> under one and a half full quarters until ASU scores. Uh, I need to explain how this works. Yeah, so I mean the, the ASU, ASU has not scored in six full quarters. Uh, they obviously did not score against Fresno State. Four quarters there. And they didn't score in the second half against Oklahoma State. So six full quarters they have not scored. So how many full quarters until they score against SC? I've put the line at one and a half, which essentially means if you say it's under, then that means zero, which means they're going to score in the first half, I mean, first quarter, or one, they're going to score in the second quarter because they still will have completed one more full empty quarter. Uh, so will they score in the first half as the under, essentially? I love this over under. Like, I love this concept. I love the ASU gave us the chance. I thought to about do doing this. minutes, by the way. But that would get so that, that would be weird. <laughs> One quarter and, and eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. Just like 99 minutes or something that, yeah. that they're, they've been scoreless. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am taking the under, which means that they are scoring. And I think ASU will score in the first half. That's me taking the under, correct? Yes. Yes. I'm right. taking the under. Um, I have I have it in my head that ASU is scoring on their first drive because that's the stupidest outcome. And it would be funny. Outcome is usually it would, what happens. It would be funny. Yeah. Uh, it, they scored on like the second play or something. Yeah. That, that is that is comic genius. <laughs> yes. The the script writers know how this is supposed to go. Right. Um, so I am definitely taking the under, but I I love the I love the concept. And certainly when I'm taking an under that I could lose, I will be happy to lose <laughs> this one, to be quite honest. Yeah, I mean if geez, if if SC goes out on the road and gets gets the shutout. I will feel so good. <laughs> Uh, would not feel good if you're an ASU fan for yeah. sure. Back to back weeks. Uh, let's get to your your next over under. Uh, what's that one going to be? All right, I am going with four point seven one. Uh, that's USC yards per carry okay. uh, rushing. So USC's season low so far in the first three games is four point seven one. That was against San Jose State. Mm -hmm. They are averaging six point seven seven yards per carry this season. The one really good thing that ASU has consistently done in every single game is, is not give up the run. Uh, their season high for uh, rush yards per carry was against Oklahoma State at 3.65. Their defense is averaging 2.8 yards per carry allowed. That's very good. Like yeah. I, I think they're doing a very, very good job against the run. And USC, the only area of USC's offense that isn't otherworldly is the rushing attack. And I don't think that's because the rushing attack is bad necessarily. I just don't think USC is like leaning there. The, the rushing attack is definitely second, uh, second fiddle to the I, passing I th attack. I think it's because the passing game is so good. I mean, yeah. Right? How are you supposed to run the ball when you're, every time you pass the ball, you're getting, you're getting also, 30 yards. And how a are you, how are you supposed to run the ball as good as the passing game is? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. um, I'm not saying that's an, a vulnerability for USC on the ground, but it's right. certainly not an area where USC is statistically blowing up the stat sheet. So yeah, will I, USC have essentially what this is asking is will USC have a season low in terms of yards per carry going against a defense that has 
held the first three teams that they faced to essentially season lows. Yeah. The crazy part about this is you, you, the way where you put the line SC could have a season low that is almost two yards better than uh, ASU's season average to date and still get the under, which is nuts. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I, I'm going to take the over. I, I, yeah. SC, yeah, 4.71 in the season over opener against San Jose State, but they ran the ball so good the last two weeks. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, um, Marshawn Lloyd. <laughs> Mar- I mean, it, it a- roll. Marshawn Lynch just rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it's annoying. Um, yeah, Marshawn Lloyd is, he, he just looks so good. Uh, mm-hmm. Austin Jones, uh, just quietly reliable. And so I don't see any reason not to say that the Trojans uh, have a yards per carry average that's higher than 4.71. I think the argument for taking the under would be if SC blows the game up early and then calls off the dogs in the second half and ends up running the ball a lot in the second half and uh, maybe get like Quentin Joyner out there and like things kind of, you know, slowly slow down that way or something like that. But I, I, I expect that sees offense to just be running all over ASU in more ways than one. So give me the over on this one. Okay. All right, let's go to my next over-under, uh, which is over-under 35% ASU available yards gained. There's a there's a thing here, so I want to explain this. Um, available yards, uh, if you start at the 75-yard line, sorry, the 25-yard line, you have 75 yards to gain. You score a touchdown, you've gained 100% of your available yards. If you gain... 25 yards and punts, then you've gained 33%. You've gained 25 of those 75 yards, 33% of your available yards. That's how it works. ASU's offense this year is 126 in the country in available yards. They are gaining 26.7% of their available yards. But the stat, the, the, the site that we go to for this, which is bcftoys.com, highly recommended, by the way, the available yards are in non-garbage drives, so they parse out the garbage time drives. I am not doing that for this this over-under. So <laughs> I bumped it up to 35% because I'm not going to take garbage time out of here because the like the the method for what garbage time is is so convoluted. It's like uh, is it uh, 16 the points and the left. The number of minutes and the, uh, it's, I, I, I'm not that much of a math person. Uh, SC's defense, by the way, 16th in the country in defensive available yards. They're holding teams of 32.5% available yards on non-garbage drives. So we're going to say 35% on all drives, garbage included. 35, over under 35% available yards, garbage included for ASU. Yeah, this one's hard to pick because I, I don't. I I <laughs> wish I wish I would have like ran the numbers on what the, uh, on what like the the Stanford game was. Yeah. Step broadcast doesn't have it, unfortunately. No. <laughs> My philosophy here is is to take the over, 
because it's USC's defense and right now in over under, I've sort of decided I'm just going to bet against USC's defense. And that way, if they're bad, then I win over under. And if they're good, then I win my sanity. So I'm going over on this. I do not, I, I don't have a good sense of, of how this will play out, especially knowing like if ASU is turning the ball over, like that mm-hmm. is devastating. But if they're not turning the ball over, is USC getting three and outs? Is it, we've seen USC's defense give up long, long drives from teams that maybe they shouldn't have allowed to keep extending the 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 the, the drive. So I don't, I don't but, know. I'm but, going over before you, before you give an answer. You're, you're taking the over though. I'm taking the over. Okay, so you're, you're taking the over. Uh, which will lock me into the under. Just just to give you some context, I'm looking at the Stanford drive chart. Stanford averaged an own a, a start of starting on their own 24. So, so then we can assume that they had 76 yards to gain on every drive, right? Mm-hmm. They averaged 25 ga- yards gained per drive. So that's 25 divided by 76. 32.8. Um, I can probably go in there and add every specific thing to get yeah. the exact number, but like just spitballing 32.8, it seems like the 35% is a, is a decent way to place to put the line, I think, but yeah. you're going over. I think going over is more than fair, uh, especially when you take out garbage time, one long drive on the last drive of the game could absolutely yeah. change those things. So, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably a good a, a good call there. I'll get locked into the under, of course. Uh, let's go to your last over-under. What do you got? I'm going with uh, 6.5, and that is plays of 20-plus yards for the USC offense. Now, ASU, again, the things that the ASU defense is doing very well is they are not giving up explosive plays this year. They rank ninth nationally with only six plays of 20 or more yards allowed in their opening three games. USC is on the other side of the spectrum on, on offense, or I guess the same side of the spectrum on offense um, on the, on the other side of the coin, USC ranks fourth nationally with 26 plays of 20 plus yards uh, in the first three games. That is an average of 8.6 plays of 20 plus yards per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, USC averaged 6.5 long plays per game. Uh, so suffice to say, USC's offense is very explosive and yes. has been explosive this year, uh, without a doubt. But ASU has done a good job of not giving up those kinds of those kinds of plays. So, will we see USC have more plays of 20 or more yards in this game? Than ASU has allowed all season combined. So this is a wild stat because where I'm going to go with this seems insane. Uh, So uh, for full disclosure in the Stanford game, the the greatest offensive performance you've ever seen in your life in the first half, right? Um, SC had six. They had two, two rushes of 20 plus Uh, the 21 yard, uh, quarterback uh keeper touchdown from Caleb Williams uh, a 25 yard scamper from from Marshawn Lloyd uh, and then passes of 34 22 75 and 28 yards that's only six they only had six in that game 
Compare that to Nevada, where they had one, two, three, four, five. They had five rushes of 20 yards against Nevada. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> so they had 14, 14, 20 plus yard plays against the. Yeah, I, I'm slamming the over. <laughs> I'm slamming the, so my thought was, well, they didn't do it against Stanford. That makes me a little nervous, but I was going to make the claim that, but they also had two 19 yard passing plays that were basically right there. Uh, USC also had short fields more often against Stanford because of the turnovers. Yeah. Either way, (laughs) the numbers against Nevada are insane. Uh, (laughs) The, the way stat broadcast talks about it, it's gains of 15 plus and 10 plus, And they have SC at 17 of those, which is nuts. 345 of, of uh, SC's passing yards came on gains of 15 plus against Nevada. That's wild. God, that is, that is nuts. So yeah, give me the over there. Uh, let's go to my final over under uh, of the week, uh, which is just ASU yards per play. 4.52. I'm putting the line there because that's where the Trojans kept rice at last week, last year, 4.52 yards per play, which was the lowest of the season defensively for USC in 2022. This ASU offense, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, might be the worst offense that USC plays all year. Nevada, maybe. Is Nevada worse? Cal? Is Cal an offense? I can't imagine Cal would be worse. Uh, either way, uh, can SC improve that that yards per uh, I mean, average uh, from from last year? Can they best what the what they did last year? Four point five two. Uh, ASU, of course, averaging four point five seven yards per play, which is just the smidge over this line. They averaged 4.4 against Oklahoma State. That would count as an under. Uh, And they got 3.59 yards per play against Fresno State, which is way under. Uh, So 4.52 is the line against SC here. uh, Final over-under of the week. Okay, I've already stated my philosophy that on over-under, I'm just betting against the USC defense because I win either way. Um, But I have another reason for taking the over on this one, and I am taking the over. Number one, this is in ASU. This is this is in in Tempe, so I'm going to give them that sort of little home field advantage that the other teams that USC has played so far haven't had. Yeah. Number two, Kenny Dillingham is taking over play calling, and I have more faith in Kenny Dillingham to at least have a plan. I don't know if his players are going to be able to execute his plan, but I sort of trust him to have a plan that's going to maybe – be a little bit more uh, a little bit less disastrous than what we've seen from, from ASU so far. So taking the over playing my odds that, um, that ASU will move the ball at least a few times during the game uh, and not get, you know, totally shut out by, by a USC defense that I'm still, I'm still skeptical of the, the USC defense. I'm I'm not going to buy into the USC defense until I have, more reason to do so. Pessimistic Alicia is it's out not, in full force. It's realism. It's not pessimism. I'm just not, I'm just, I'm just, I'm biding my time. I'm waiting. I'm, I'm sort of scoping out what's going on with the defense. And uh, we haven't gotten there yet for me to say that I'm not going to bet against them in over under yet. 
yeah. I I like this. I, I like having the under here because I thought about putting this number at like four flat. Well, that's very low though. Like that's very low. <laughs> it's it's low based on what SC has done. Yeah. You know, sort of historically under Alex yeah. Rinch. Yeah. But uh ASU has um yeah, not not done great. Um absolutely. So uh all right, uh that's gonna wrap up over under. Let's finish off our USC ASU preview, of course. Uh, by doing game predictions, we're talking about the biggest spread. Thirty-five and a half is the line for the Trojans. Uh, they are favored. Uh, what is your prediction Saturday night? Uh, final I, SC ASU game. I've got USC winning this one big. Um, I'm going with fifty-six seventeen fifty-six because that is the number that USC likes to score this year. Uh, three of the what is I think it's three of the. Two of the three games have been 56-point games for, for USC's offense. So it seems like a good number there. Uh, and then I'm going 17 on the other side. Uh, I think that USC's defense will mostly have success against this team. I think that we're more likely to see ASU add on a touchdown late, kind of the way that Stanford added on a touchdown late. Um, so, yeah. Maybe ASU scores a touchdown on their first drive and their last drive of the game. And then somewhere in the middle, they kick a field goal and that's how they get to 17. Yeah. They, they knock like a 52 yarder at, at the half or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> here's my prediction. Um, I buried the lead here. This is the PAC 12 road opener. We know what happens in PAC 12 road openers, folks. We know what happens. Over the years, I don't have to go down the list. 2008 at, at Oregon State, loss. 2009 at Washington, loss. 2011 at ASU, loss. Like the, the list, Stanford 2012, loss. 2013 ASU, loss. I don't have to keep going down the list, folks. <laughs> And you look at, you talk about the 56 points that SC scored in week one and three. You miss the 66 points that SC scored against Nevada. If you take the second digit of SC score line in week one, two, and three, it is six, six, six. The sign <laughs> of the devil, and they're going to, to, to play the devils on Saturday night. That can only mean one thing. I was not going to do what Richard said I'm going to do in the chat, but screw it. I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> SC 52, ASU nothing. There we go. Oh, uh, by all Richard means. baited me into the shutout. He says, Michael's about to predict a shutout. Yeah, I'm going for it. Uh, 52 to nothing. Let's go. I was going to go 52-13, but that's not official. Not canon. Not canon. 52-13, not canon. 52 nothing cannon. There we go. I think um the the likelihood of a shutout is always low no matter who's playing, no matter what the discrepancy between the team is. But if ever there was an opportunity for USC to get a shutout, if ever there was an opportunity, it's this week. If like if ever Alex Grinch has the opportunity to get a, a shutout at USC, it is this week. It's this week. Yeah. 
because of the, the, the injury issues that ASU, because of the uncertainty around their quarterback, because of mm-hmm. the sort of reeling nature of the program, like if ever there was a chance. As, as Richard said, USC hasn't shut out, shut out anyone since 2011. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get shutouts. We know this. Who did they shut out in 2011? Tilly. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a second. It took me a bit. I was like, Wait, who did they shut out in 2011? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're predicting a better a better win than that, so let's go. The the, uh, the the shutout wins that I always think of are all the 2008 ones. 69 nothing against Washington. 56 nothing against sorry. 69 nothing against Washington State. 56 nothing against Washington. Uh, I think there was another one. It was a 45 nothing against Stanford or something like that. No, not Stanford. 45 nothing. So, there was another one in there. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Mark in the chat says ASU is so bad it should be seventy-seven to three. I, I, what, what I, I if wouldn't I went be shocked? For, what if, I'm now regretting not going sixty-six to six just to to have the Sun Devil uh, a true sign <laughs> of the devil. It is at night, so I don't know if the Sun it Devil is. will be there. Yeah, the Sun Devil Sun won't be out for the Devils. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, <laughs> let's go into uh, into the old uh, mailbag show. You've got mail. Uh, Tim and Eli says ESPN says USC is favored by 34 and a half. Uh, so we should obviously win, says Tim. Uh, but considering there are still some questions about this year's team, what should they do on Saturday for it to be considered a success? Does SC need to cover? Hold ASU to a certain number of points? Uh, score a certain number of points? What What's the... Uh, what what's the benchmark for a success for USC on Saturday night against ASU? Oh, I think covering that thirty point spread is a is a minimum bench. Like if we're holding USC to the standard that we we sort of are this year in terms of expecting them to be great, I think you have to win this game by thirty points at least. To me, this is very much not acceptable to be a winning by thirty like it being 70 to 40, you know, 60 to 30 or something like that. Like mm-hmm. that also isn't necessarily a success because we know USC's offense is, is incredible. I will be impressed if USC is able to put up closer to 60 points against an ASU defense that has shown that they are effective this season. So um, I think, I think I want to see USC up above 40 points at least. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really looking for is the defense to take advantage of an offense in crisis and hold them to points in the teens. I think in the modern game points in the teens is sort of where you need to be every, every week that you're playing a, a, a sort of a lesser opponent. I, I don't think you need to hold them under 10 points. Like that's not the game that we're playing nowadays, but like yeah. if you can stay within, you know, 10 to 17, yeah. I'll be happy. It is remarkable to me how much better the scoreline looks when it's like, like if, for instance, if you beat somebody 45, 13 versus 55, 20, mm-hmm. the 45, 13, bigger margin, uh, sorry, smaller margin. It looks just so much better. Mm-hmm. 
uh, having the one there, just like having, you know, single digits looks, looks so much better. Um, but holding teams in the teens, what, what did you, how did you put it? Holding? Yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah, hold, hold teams in the teens. Yeah. I need to cut that with like, like, you know, I talked about the, like the, <laughs> da, 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 like the, the, the romance music that when you talk about Marshawn Lloyd, but yeah. like holding teens in the teens, like that kind of works there. Yeah. Hold, hold teens in the teens. You hold teens hold, in the hold teens. teens in the teens. Hold teams in the teens. Uh, and if you're able to do that, that is a um, good looking score line for USC's defense. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I, I think that's right. I think if, if you hold them to 17 points or less and you score 50 plus, you've done your job. Absolutely. I think uh, the simplest way to do it is I think, yeah, cover if you cover the spread. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, realistically, you cover the spread. I think I think cover, SC's fine. But cover the spread at halftime, and I do not care what the second. Oh half. boy, well, I don't know. I've been no. Doing- I, I I agree with that. We we were talking at lunch. We we met up with our with our friend Kenny at lunch, and uh, you're talking about well, what if they scored you know 24 points. And I'm like, but but how do they do that? Well, yeah. If if SC is up 52 to seven at halftime, but yet they win 59 24, I do not care. Yeah. It's, do it's not a different care. Equation. Do not care because 52 to seven at halftime means that they've called off the dogs completely in the second half. So that that's a that's a completely different thing there. Um. Yeah. Let's go to a question from Kenny. Uh, is ASU is the ASU guy who squirted squirted his water bottle at Caleb Williams still at ASU? Uh, so that guy uh, is Nesta Jade Silvera, uh, and no, uh, according to Wikipedia, he he plays for the Raiders. He went to the NFL. Went to the NFL. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. He's he's Plot twist. he's with the Raiders. He was a seventh round pick. He's on the active roster. There you go. So uh, we had a question from Jessica very early in the chat. We didn't answer, but I I saw that um, uh, LA Fred answered for us. Very important question. What's your dog's name sitting behind Alicia? That's Jesse. Even though, where did Jesse go? Jesse's down on the floor next to me. I was going to say, I don't even see her anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That's Jesse. The, uh, uh, the official rot dog, I guess you could say. Rot dog. It's close to hot dog. Rot dog. Yeah, that is rot close dog. to hot dog. <laughs> rot dog. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, we're going to cut this thing there. Uh, thanks for joining us. As always, uh, USC and Arizona State Lock and Horns Saturday night. We'll be back with the car cast right after the game, immediately after the game. Um, probably realistically about 10 minutes after the end of the game, USC and Arizona State on Saturday night. Uh, we'll have a car cast with all of our reactions. Uh, to what goes down in the game on Saturday night. Plus probably all of our reactions to everything else that happens on Saturday. Cause this Saturday is going to be insane. Epic. Th- this is, you know, I get people don't like seven thirty kickoffs. Fine. Whatever. I, I, okay. There's no better week to have a seven thirty kickoff. And well, of course, we think that you should be going to Arizona so that way you can use the, the promo code draft, uh, Reign of Troy at DraftKings when you're in the state of Arizona this week and, of course, next week at Colorado. DraftKings, 
Reign of Troy is the code. Well, you should be doing that. If you stay at home, oh my God, it's perfect. You, you, 1230, you have Oregon, UCLA. You have, sorry, Oregon, Colorado. You have Utah, UCLA. Uh, Alabama, Ole Miss. Uh, 4.30, you got Ohio State, Notre Dame, which is going to tell us a lot about both of those teams. Wake up wake up at 9 a.m. And, and flip back and forth between Florida State, Clemson, and Oklahoma, Cincinnati. Yeah. Like, it's a full day of games that have the potential to be bangers. Yeah. The only downside, as Glenn in the chat says, uh, football and then and the, the Japanese Grand Prix, Yes, but the problem is the Japanese Grand Prix begins at 10 p.m. Pacific time on Saturday. Uh, basically, that's that's the middle of the fourth quarter. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have the race we're up gonna, while we're while we're car casting. Yeah, may, maybe that's what we'll have to do. Um, Kenny says if Penn State loses to Iowa, Iowa could go undefeated. Yeah, and then you're gonna have to start talking to your kids about an undefeated Iowa. So. I'm really excited to see Penn State's offense go against that uh, that Iowa defense because. You know, Drew Allaire and that crew gets talked about as a as potentially being able to contend in the Big Ten, and this is a real big test for them. Yeah. Uh, Mark says your screen on Alicia's angle looks like a giant switch. <laughs> I could like see a it. Nintendo Switch. Oh, that makes more sense. I was thinking like a light switch. I mean, maybe. Yeah. What we need to do is like actually put like a rot logo on there. We that should would, we should cool. put we should put a rot logo on the screen, yeah. Mark, Mark, I hope you're hope you're doing okay. Yeah. Like, uh, Mark's in the Mark says in the he's hospital. He's in the sadly. hospital and joining it. That's dedication, th- by the our, way. Our, our thoughts th- are with you, man. Like that sucks being in the hospital, but yeah. I'm glad that you're well enough that you can tune in and listen and and be in the chat. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Best we wishes, we, we wish you the best. Um, I'm both in awe and and it's funny to me that that. And all that you're joining us yeah. uh, in, in while well, you're in the hospital, it's dedication as a rot bot. Um, it's, it's funny. Cause I feel like you got more important things th- than us, <laughs> hey, but, we, but, but Hey, we're, 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 we're glad to, to help the time go. Some before. of my, my favorite, re- the reviews that often mean the most to me are the ones that we've gotten from people who are like, yeah. I was dealing with this thing and listening to you guys really helped take my mind off of it. And like, mm-hmm. that's, that's so we're absolutely here for you uh, in that front. And and we will continue to be hopefully a, a welcome distraction from yeah. whatever else is going on. And I mean, life, life can be difficult at times. So we're happy to be that distraction. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, we will be back uh, Saturday night after the game for the car cast if you are a member a, of the Rot Squad, where you get all of our bonus content on YouTube and you can join our Discord and all that stuff for $4.99 a month, if you are a member there, you're going to see us on Thursday nights because Rot After Dark is when we stream uh, on right back here on YouTube. So it's, it's a double eviction night on Big Brother, and um, our I'm dedication so- to the Rotbots will it's- be to be on to be doing right after dark eafc literally drops at 9 p.m <laughs> i'm sacrificing a lot okay yes i could be packing in bopes and stuff and i'm but my dedication is to the stream and to the rot bots yeah. so <laughs> yeah all right guys uh we'll see you next time we gotta go uh we got what is it what was that accent i just went into i, I do not know we, we we gotta go we gotta go celebrate alicia's birthday so 
Uh, we will see you guys uh, later. Richard says, what time for After Dark? 9 p.m. Pacific time is the time. So uh, we'll see you guys uh, until then. See ya. See ya. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.